Kaplan. And I'm Jim DeSanto. And today we are joined again by... Katie DeSanto. Exciting. And we are going to be opening the Chamber of Secrets in our second Harry Potter episode today as we look at Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And there's the book. Love it. I have, in fact, ordered... Uh, the first of those, per Katie's recommendation, for Claire for Christmas this year. What do you think? Did you receive it? Uh, I have not received it yet, but I will. I, I, I thumbed through it. And I mean, like the artwork. Yeah. It's, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Before we get in, we have to ask the most important pressing question of every episode. Mm-hmm. What are we drinking for this episode? Jim, what are we drinking? I am drinking. Uh, let's see if I can get the camera to pick that up. Um, it is a high west... Uh, distillery rye whiskey called a midwinter's night dram. It's very literary. It's very literary. Uh, all right. and, uh, I guess we just have too much light. You can, I don't think you're. Gonna I, I like that the bottle though. That's a but cool. Label, it might be one of the coolest ones. Yeah, the label is very literary. It's Act Six, Scene Two. We give them a little bit of an allowance. There yeah. are no Act Six, but it's it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Uh, whatever. It's I don't fine. even know what that. But means, it is so. a it's a straight rye whiskey that's finished in French uh, oak port barrels. Um, nice. It is delicious and very hard to find. You have to be like at the store the day it comes in. Uh, and Perfect. I just got extremely lucky. There you go. Just like you did Maybe when you got Katie. Maybe you left your wallet on the train for a reason. I did. Oh, I did. That was, was the night I left my wallet on, on the train. Oh, uh, no. it's just, it's a whole thing. Yeah, we, we don't have to go story. into it. We but I had to it. drive to Wilmington to get right. my wallet. Luckily, they ran on the train in Wilmington and grabbed it. Oh, so, okay. A lot of announced. Got lucky. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Katie, what are you drinking? First of all, uh, I just want to say we're going to do this in fact check. But are you feeling better, Brian? This is this is still up for debate. I uh, I finished my second round of antibiotics, um, okay. and I started up the steroids today because it already felt like I was going downhill as of yesterday. Um, so I'm on steroids, and I'm on some like a. It looks like a cocaine mixture that goes into a netty bottle, and I flush through my face. Um, wow. Yeah. Not, it's not just saline. So it's got, like, all kinds is, of stuff going on. That is interesting yeah. in many she levels. She coughs a lot, but bonus, if the car breaks down, she can push it home. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. I'm all right, so what are you two drinking? Two kinds of steroids. Though? And I'm drinking alcohol. So. Oh. Cheers. That sounds like we are community. the 86 Mets. <laughs> yeah. This is like the 1986 Mets. Let's get money dice over. If there was t- a two ton pile of cocaine behind us, that would be the 86 Mets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that always reminds me of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, lines from a movie and Better Off Dead when the guy, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, is yeah. put a straw into the top Charles of the snow. Charles DeMar. Charles DeMar. This is pure snow. Do you know what the street value of this would be? (laughs) Um, Um, Brian, I don't know what what I'm drinking. Jim, what am I drinking? Katie is drinking uh, the Belvedere, which is a cocktail we make at our house that is basically uh, honey, lemon, bourbon, and uh, orange bitters. It's for health. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Which, well, yeah, I love, I love it. Mm-hmm. I am drinking Innis Gun barrel aged beer. Uh, this particular Innis Gun beer, which is made in Scotland and is delicious, uh, was aged in a bourbon barrel and it's a Scotch ale. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that good. sounds yummy. 
Very good. It's delicious. Uh, and I highly recommend it. All right. Fact check. We, we checked in on Katie's health already. Uh, Jim's, <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Jim's uh, fact check homework was he was going to think about any other overrated films. Mm-hmm. Anything jump out or not so much? I, I, I mean, I the one that people, a lot of people go crazy about is Scarface that I just never <laughs> thought was a very good movie. I mean, I, that's a good one. I was actually yeah. just. Ooh, I know one. What? What? Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two, whatever that. Oh no, that is sack n- of I, shit. Was I think a lot of people do not like that. That movie. was horrendous. Yeah, that I thought some parts of it were okay, but I don't think that. Yeah, it certainly wasn't Guardians of the Galaxy one. It I think it's no one good. of the least favorite of the Marvel. I think Scarface is an interesting one. Because I, yeah. I don't know if I disagree with that. I've been doing some reading on Brian De Palma, um, and there's a really good De Palma documentary on Netflix I'm going to watch. And I was reading about him making Scarface, and I never thought Scarface was as exciting as people thought it was either. Yeah. I'd have to see it again to see uh, how that was. Can uh, I give some, a uh, overrated yes. in the DeSanto house movie? Sure, sure. The Dark Crystal. Ah. Oh. Uh, I just want to know if anybody's watched that movie uh, since the 80s and what they think of it. Who now? Dark Crystal. Jim Henson. No, no, I know. I think I feel like I always confused Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. Please, God, no. No, no. Labyrinth. What are you talking about? No, I know. There is no comparison. No, but I think besides puppets. No, no. I think I think of the the animals that are in Dark Crystal as having been in. No, uh, yeah, please, they're terrifying. Please, don't, you know, say like, please yeah. don't say those words again. Yeah. The other one that you could throw into that like little <sighs> trilogy of movies is uh, Legend. With oh, Tom Legend's Cruise. Tom Cruise. With I, the I also haven't seen horn. that since the eighties. And is though, that so Tim Carrey? I don't know if that ages well. No, Might it's not be. Tim Carrey, right? Dark. The the character's name is Darkness. The big I do guy love with the, Tim Curry. I don't know the, if I don't, he's in that. Oh, but. in that that creepy devil man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember being scared shitless by that thing. Yeah, it was cool. That thing was creepy. Uh, okay, last week we did Creed. Uh, just a quick check-in because after we did the episode, Creed 2 came out. Uh, it had a five-day haul of $55.8 million. So did very good. Uh, has a fresh rating at 82%, hmm. which is not bad, though the mm-hmm. original was at 95%. Understandable. So, yeah. so it's a sequel. sequel. Um, there. And, and then finally, before we get into Harry Potter, I wanted to just quickly share because sometimes people watch Comagers and then watch the movie because mm-hmm. uh, oh. they say, oh, we heard people talking about this. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and watched the movie. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to share with you something I found a Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets drinking game. So mm. if you are going to watch Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, here is a little drink game that you could play Um, so if at any point in the movie uh, someone says brilliant brilliant you drink if anyone says mudblood you drink Mm. if anyone says Harry says Harry Potter (laughs) I like if if Malfoy acts like an asshole you drink all right now I like this you do two (laughs) drinks two drinks uh, anyone time anyone speaks in parcel tongue oh so we got a few of those sequences yeah Uh, drink drink twice anytime you see spiders uh drink twice anytime says tom riddle and drink twice when anybody uh when dobby punishes himself oh gosh this sounds very much like a game that i play in harry potter club um but we play bingo with m&ms yeah well that's pretty much the same premise though 
a very different though that brings not me up bourbon to before, before the show yeah I uh, asked what Katie was doing in the green room before the show and she said they had M&M's and, and bourbon and I suggested mm-hmm. bourbon flavored M&M's not a bad suggestion no, I can consistently the FDA on might the have concerns but I come on this show every week promoting new ideas that somebody is going to I, you know what I'm like the reverse shark tank I am giving ideas have away the next free. cats and dogs story that is yeah. the uh, the missed opportunity of the Curran family mm-hmm. Curran family legend Sean Curran wrote cats and dogs which you might not remember was a semi-successful movie of the Janine Garofalo no, no. Believe, he, here's, the, here's the sticking point that Sean and George claim they had the idea for cats and dogs which is like they the, will listen to this yeah, I know, I know. Right. I'm, I'm just saying. And we've talked about it. I've talked yes. about it with Sean. Okay. You know, the whole premise is that the dogs, the cats are evil, the dogs are good, and they're they're locked in this, you know, age-old battle, right? Yeah. And there's all kinds of, like, spying and stuff going on. Hmm. He actually had it reversed, where he had the cats being on the good side, and I can't live with that. No, no. that makes no sense. Yeah. See, so, no. I mean, boom, done. We were just writing sentences about this today in my class, because... I, Obviously, cats are undomesticated animals, and they yes. will eat your dead body uh, yeah, if it comes down to that. Yeah, so, I, I hate. I am allergic I to cats. I don't I, understand. I, I don't like cats. I don't understand it. Don't there's like probably him. a lot of cat people watching this yeah. because well, they have nothing else not, to do. There's not because it's Kevin <laughs> and your family and Mrs. Costello, so yeah. we're safe. Nobody has cats. Nobody likes um, cats. Nobody likes cats. Um, and if you do, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I I just can't come to your house. Uh, I like owls. I'd like to add, hmm. if you're watching the show, this beautiful Hedwich-looking um, owl was uh, given to me uh, today by my daughter, Claire, who said, are you doing the Harry Potter episode? And she ran to her room and found her owl. So I'm excited to have the owl joining me for our <laughs> episode. Those of you listening on the podcast, it really looks a lot like Harry Potter's owl. Okay, so I, I don't have um, Harry Potter's owl, so I found the closest thing to it which is this terrifying thing that my mother bought my children. It's called a Pomsy. And that it, looks like something you would cl- clean a clog out of a toilet or something. Oh, it's oh good lord. Yep. That is disturbing. Yeah. That is the thing of nightmares. The eyes are like glowing. And then it does like a... It'll do oh like a dance God. party. It purrs. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I don't like this at it's all. It's um, <laughs> Everybody right. get them. Yeah, don't do that. Oh my God! Okay. Do not put, yeah, we'll on put him away. It's fine. Uh, okay, here we go, uh, okay. Jim. Let's do the uh, rundown. So this is our second foray into the wonderful world of Hogwarts. Yay! Uh, where are we when the Chamber of Secrets picks up? Uh, we're basically after Harry's, I guess, first year at Hogwarts. It's the summer. He is uh, back with the Dursleys, um, not enjoying life. Right? I mean, yeah. that's sort of where it picks up, and. And like all the the Harry Potter movies and books, it sort of follows a complete year uh, cycle from that point going forward. Um, Yeah, and Harry's basically not having a great life in the summer. Can you please turn that cat thing off? Oh, um, I don't know how to do that. Just throw throw it it away. away. That is like... Yeah, it was terrible. It sounded like a a mandrake. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yes. Dynamite drop in, Brian. Um, yeah, so wh- anything to add to that? Where we start the where the no, movie kind of starts? That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Harry's had the slight upgrade 
of the, oh, right. the Dursleys fear him because they don't know the rules of magic and, you know, that he can't use it. Um, so he has a bedroom now, so he's, like, slightly less abused child, but still still there, still living in, in that life. All right, so the film comes out. A um, in- couple interesting things in the pre-production of this. The film actually started filming three days after the premiere of the first film which is almost unheard of. I mean, they were doing the red carpets around the world. Three days later, they're filming. Um, wow. In order to take care of the kids' aging process. Mm-hmm. By the way, having, you know, we watched these movies within a little under a month of each other. Mm-hmm. How much older did they look? They looked so much like, older. Yeah. But that was that They clearly it, all went through puberty. And they in... all got money. Well, what, they looked. They had, had haircuts. No, I just thought no. they that they were clearly prepubescent in yes. movie one, and they all got their hormones in movie two. Yeah, um, and actually, when they did this, they they the Steve Cloves who wrote all but one of the screenplays, uh, he did not write Order of Phoenix. Um, said he thought this one was much easier to adapt than the first one because the storytelling mm-hmm. he felt was much more linear. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the big concerns even J.K. Rowling has is the most complaints that she gets about books is this book being too scary. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is. So I've been listening to the audience. I mean, not too scary. Well, okay, but your audience, right? Yeah. Yes. To me, the first book. Now, you do have the like trying to kill a baby thing. Yeah. And also Drinking the baby's unicorn parents blood. being killed. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's also it's amazing revisiting these stories as parents <laughs> because they read totally differently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was listening with my children in the car today, and you know the basilisk starts to speak, oh, yeah. and it's just kill, kill. Like kill. kill over and over again, and it's a creepy voice on yeah. the audiobook. So Lily was like, "What? What's? What is this? <laughs> oh, this, this is, is Harry Potter." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some. It was, it was dark some scary parts. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I thought the film is interesting. We'll go to the beginning because we get intro to a new character right away. Mm-hmm. Dobby the house elf. Oh, Dobby. And yeah. what are our thoughts on Dobby the House Elf? He is One just of a, a huge fan favorite. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is a little. Oh, my God. That scene at the beginning at the Dursleys' house with the lavender pudding, uh, that might rate, rank up there with some of the most uncomfortable screen time ever, <laughs> including Michael Scott on The Office. Oh, and Michael Scott like, in the office. It, it is cringeworthy. Like, pillow in front of the face. I can't. When that pudding crashes, I want to turn off the movie because I, like, what's going to happen to Harry? I don't want to see it. What I don't understand, and I get it, it's part of the comedy of it, is what did Harry think he was doing? Trying oh, to, like, it's just, yeah. just grab the damn cake or not. No. <laughs> yeah. I think that was just to add to the suspense. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't know. No, it was gra- It was added to make it look like he literally threw it on the woman's so head. That the, so yeah. that the family would yeah, 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 sure, yeah. sure. I, I thought it was interesting because I was trying to think back to Dobby the first time. The CGI is amazing. It, mm-hmm. yeah, I was great. just thinking about this, Brian. I agree. Yeah. I love, so part of what I love about these movies is, like, to me, you know, it's some years later now. Yeah. Like, I am in the magic like, I am not questioning how did they do that. I am just believing that, like, that is a flying car. There is There yeah. are house elves living amongst us. Uh, there are, you know, snakes the size of 
houses. Like, I just, I'm in it. I believe it all. What year did this come out again? Uh, this would have been uh, when Katie was in Camden because we all went mm-hmm. to see this film very together. Very good, very good. Yeah, and from I sat the on the Camden floor. House. 2002, yeah. I believe, Christmas because, time. Yeah, because your housemates yeah. made us late. Well, we, we were still on time for the beginning of the movie, but it was that we had to sit, sold out. We had to sit in the front row, though. That was the problem. And not together. No, we were all not, over the theater. All, yeah, I sat on the floor next to Jim's seat because the yeah. other option was not acceptable. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree that the CGI, all the effects are great. Even when we were watching, we really talked about, we liked the Quidditch match in the first one mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. Quidditch match is even better yeah. in terms of how they filmed it in the second yeah. one. Yep. And it, and it's not that clunky. It's and really well done. And even just like the littlest things. And I, the, I love this, that just the detail put into like the Weasley's house, the oh, Weasley's house. I could watch that scene over and over again. Yeah. The clock. I just want to keep rewinding the clock. The magic of that clock blows me away. Yeah, I find, cool. uh, yeah, I, I find two things. The set design consistently. Now, we won't jump ahead to the other movies because we'll do that at some point. But in film <laughs> one and two, the set design is spot on all the time. And the casting, I'm not sure if they're, at least in the first two films now, is anyone I can think of that was miscast in a role. Can completely you guys think agree. of anybody? I completely agree. No, I no, think. And I will say, I'm not a huge fan. Of, I guess he kind of fits, but Kenneth Brownell. Oh, I think he's great. Yeah. I love. There's a line in the book that's. I'm going to mangle, but it's basically like Harry wondered how he could show so many of his teeth without even smiling. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I just love. I was saying to Jim, like, the writing. You know, I'm on, I don't know, this is like time three or four rereading some of these books, and I'm still stunned by like the brevity of her words and what she communicates with them. You, like, you just get these perfect glimpses of character through the smallest descriptions. And to me, then the movie just takes that nugget and runs with it, you know? So I don't know. I think Kenneth Branagh in that role totally works. Like, he's just like a, you know, Eye candy. It's Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, and there was some... It's interesting, because I I don't think Jim's far off, though, because there was some complaint. The the idea I think some people had with him was they were going to get, like, a U Grant. Oh, I can see that. Somebody somebody who was going to be... Like a Prince Charming, and he is not that. May I request Orlando Bloom? No. Too young. Why? Too young. He would have been... Too skinny. He would have been, like... He would have been... Yeah, he would have been, like, 18 then. That was... This was... No, I want him now. He was in the... He was Legolas at the exact time. I'm not looking for practicality right now, gentlemen. I'm looking for who else would be a fairy boy. I thought he was pretty, pretty boy fairy boy. That's my fairy boy. Listen, you can have whoever you want. Yeah, that's true. You can have whoever you want in it. I do love Hugh Grant. I don't want Hugh Grant to be an asshole, though. So then I don't want Hugh Grant. Too late. Uh, Listen, (laughs) I can live in my fictional reality with Hugh Grant. We've had this discussion already. Sometimes you can just like a performer and you don't have to like who they are. We were just listening to this conversation on Dak Shepard's podcast about the art and and the the artist. artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you have to. All right, so let's talk about this movie. He just liked prostitutes. It's okay. Yeah. And drugs. (laughs) Oh, Uh, well, that's about par for the course for a lot of this movie. It was the 80s, right. Well, I think it was the 90s, actually. Well, you know, it took some people a while to get out of that decade. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. 
All right. Uh, Jim's right. Um, <laughs> let, let's kind of move along here. So Dobby the house elf shows up. Uh, the, the Weasley's house is awesome. The, the idea of Dobby showing up is Dobby's going to show up because telling Harry you can't go to Hogwarts. Right. Uh, he, he blocks him from getting on the train, which we didn't know at the time. You find it out later. He and Ron fly the car, uh, which Great was team. cool. And I have to say, because I do have some issues with this film, um, that I thought the car scene was really well done, mm-hmm. played off much as a much better action sequence than in the book. I mm-hmm. thought it played as a good action set piece. Yeah. Um, they crash into the uh, walloping willow. Yeah. And they did that really well. The scene and, with the, the branch coming in and grabbing oh, Ron yeah. around the neck. Very like. Very effective. I thought it. I, I do. You know, when she says people think you're scary, I think the scary factor in this jumped up significantly from a film perspective. Totally agree. Yeah, to yeah. the point that, like, when Claire and I read Sorcerers in the Stone, Sorcerer Stone, sorry, I'll be fine letting her watch that. I'm a l- slightly leery of this film. Yeah. For someone who's seven or eight years I old, have there to be is honest, some really creepy stuff little, in it. Yeah, our our little one hit a pause kind of in the beginning of the second book. Yeah, and I was kind of okay with it because I I knew like we're getting we're getting into some much heavier stuff. So we've just started revisiting it again, but we read slowly at age seven. So yeah, you know, we might finish by October of next year. And I just think it's interesting because obviously the series goes darker as you get into it, mm-hmm. but this is like the second book. Yeah, no, you're which totally is interest, right. Which is which is yeah. interesting. Uh, so we're at Hogwarts again, um, and I, what I find interesting with this is there was a lot of negative response to this film when I was researching it. Hmm. Um, it made a ton of money, just like the first one did. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people had issue um, specifically with this idea of plot moving forward and they said well who's the villain here and and what's actually being achieved here which i don't necessarily agree with but what are your thoughts thoughts on that there's not in their opinion there wasn't a clear-cut villain i Uh, um i liked this movie more than i thought i did um re-watching it i in my head this was always the the weakest of the movies and the books uh in my opinion but in 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 watching the first one and the second one so close together, I think this is a better movie than the first. Well, I think they serve different purposes, right? Like I, I think the first is so much of the exposition for the the overall plot arc of the series. And so it's not as much of an action movie. You know, mm-hmm. you you know, one of Jim's complaints was you get so much of Harry's backstory which I argue is necessary. But when you put that in the confines of one story of, of just that first movie, it is a lot. I, so this, this movie has a lot more going on. It has a lot more conflict, you know, just those individual scenes that are kind of breathtaking. Yeah. I, and I also thought it was a weird critique and I read it a bunch of times who's the real villain in the first one until right. the end? Right. Sure. So that's what I thought was a really odd critique. I'm like, you could argue that there's, you don't know who the villain maybe is, right. but there's a but lot more stuff advancing the storyline than that. And what, I mean, and what movie that is sort of a murder mystery, do you ever right. have a villain? I, you know what? I, I think part of the issue here is I, I think this is where it started to face some backlash from film critics <laughs> and people who thought that this was 
beneath them. Like, mm. oh, this is making so much money right. and it's, you know, it's, it's they're just going to literature. Churn, yeah. They're going to churn one mm-hmm. of these out every year. And um, I think that might have been it because I, I again, I kind of liked the twists. I thought there was some really interesting storytelling. Yeah. In this. I book. agree. And what yeah. I was shocked at is um, how brilliant J.K. Rowling is with sprinkling things that aren't going to come out and be important yeah. until books later, not even yep. the next book. And you go back now, like there was a fe- uh, scene in the film uh, where you see Malfoy dropping the book into Ginny's basket, yeah. which mm-hmm. you never and Chris Columbus shot that pretty well because you never would have known that if you didn't know it was coming. But mm-hmm. it was right. there. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, but she does a brilliant job with that. And I thought it was I thought it was a good film. I, I didn't I think I liked the first one better just because I have more of an emotional connection mm-hmm. to it. But I think I agree with Jim. I think as a film, the second one is, I think, better in yeah. some aspects, right. certainly the storyline. Um, let's talk about a couple of our favorite characters who I thought mm-hmm. we shortchanged last time. Okay. Uh, that is Ron Weasley. Oh, I love Ron. And Hermione Granger. Yeah. What are our I thoughts? I love that she just, well, so Hermione just completely engages in like all of the hijinks this time around. And I love that. I love that she is all in. She is like risking stuff and like, you know, she, she's kind of over her total perfectionist. I can't get in trouble uh, you know, book one persona and is is just like one of the three now. Yeah, you know? she's starting to trust Ron and Harry more than the teachers and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. see that relationship between the three of them build and yeah, it's beautiful. Well, she's also the instigator. The polyjuice mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, can we yeah. talk about the whole polyjuice thing? Yeah. Oh, I yes, love that it. scene and it also, uh, we should also talk about Malfoy because I think this is the movie where he starts to separate himself from oh, absolutely. the rest of the, the crowd as far as villains. And she is telling a much deeper, you know, societal issue here with like passed on, uh, you know, privilege, privilege and, and, yeah, oh, yeah. God, yeah. and power. But I will say this polyjuice uh, scene where Ron and Harry pretend to be Crab and Goyle and sneak into the Slytherin house and and get Malfoy talking has one of my favorite lines in any movie. Like, literally, it makes me laugh hysterically every time I hear it. He made us rewatch it. I rewatched it. We rewatched the scene. And I say it to people all the time. And And they don't know what it comes from. It's when when, uh, when, (laughs) when he goes... Why are you wearing glasses? And Crab, <laughs> Crab goes, uh, uh, to, for reading. And he goes, reading? I didn't know you could read. <laughs> I don't know why. That line, just the way he delivers it is so perfect. It's so believable that he really didn't know that his, his best friend could read. Um, and I say that to people all the time when they talk about reading something. I'm like, I didn't know you could read. You could read. You know what's interesting, actually, though, because that brings up something I was thinking about, and it's it it ties into the Lockhart character, Hmm. which is I find it really interesting the type of people that get to go to Hogwarts. Like I I get the kids, you know, Slytherin House is kind of those connections and things like this. But one of the things I was thinking about as I was watching it is why would Dumbledore hire Lockhart? Hmm. Well, like I, I understand. Is that just a storytelling device? Hag- I mean, Hagrid, to, are, are we, 
Are we there's a to line about that that's just like they can't find anyone to take this job sort of thing. Which isn't true because you know that Snape wants it. So right. like that's that's a that's a problem. This is always going to be a problem with characters like Dumbledore and Obi Wan and and sort of the seemingly all knowing chess master is you know where did their where did their abilities end and where do where do and we know I mean we know going forward that he messes up a lot like it, it, so mm-hmm. he's a fallible character. Um, I don't necessarily think he thought Lockhart was a great choice, but I, I, it's, I didn't think he think he probably didn't think the stakes were going to be as high as they were. Yeah, I, I just find that interesting. I mean, I, to me, I, I don't really care when people critique that. I'm just kind of like you're telling the story. Yeah. Lockhart's right. an interesting character. It's he, playing right. off. Well, Dumbledore it, has to make mistakes for there to be a story. Yeah. Well, and I also think he plays a role in which. We are in this book and this film in particular seeing constant um, shadows or dark sides of Harry Potter. Mm. Yes. So yeah. Malfoy's a dark version of Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, um, Lockhart's a dark, dark version of where Harry could. It's all these people of who Harry could become. Could he? Be, he could become. Tom Riddle. He could become Valdemort. He could become he could have become a Malfoy. He could have mm-hmm. become a Lockhart. And it's like all these choices and the theme of choices and this one in particular. And there's even the, you know, the Dumbledore has a the quote, you know, like the famous quote in this one on the idea of choices. So much of this book, I think, is about choices. Mm-hmm. So is it a character is is that purposeful? We're yeah, getting to see absolutely. all these other I mean, Dumbledore comes right out and says it in the in, in at the end, right? So, um, and I don't know if we want to talk about it right now, but yeah, uh, we don't have to go in order. I yeah, think we so just in, the, in the kind of post post action, um, you know, Dumbledore is in his office and Harry's there, and he and Harry has the, you know, the the Sorting Hat is sitting there, and Harry asks the question. I think it's Harry asks the question. So, mm-hmm. why did uh, you know the the hat could have said it could have put me in Slytherin and and. Dumbledore says, well, why Why well, didn't it? I mean, it reflects that he's in conflict, right? Like, right. so Harry's having yeah. these, yeah. like, the questionings of who, who is he but, and who's he supposed to be. Right, but to Brian's point, he says, why didn't, well, Dumbledore says, why didn't it put you in Slytherin? And he says, because I asked it not to, because I, or why did it put you in Gryffindor? Because I asked it to. And he says, exactly. And that's what he's pointing out that, like, the, that the choice, and he literally says the the yeah. The, I, have I the forget quote. the line. You have right. it. No, it's right. It, it's our it, choices. It okay. is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's so good. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, Teachable moment. Yeah. yeah um, so good. I, I, I think we're about halfway through this, so yeah. I'd like to do a special new segment mm-hmm. for a Harry Potter episode. Oh my goodness. Uh, Featuring Katie DeSanto. Do we have birdie bots? Uh, am I going? Am I going to eat we a are, fungus? We are, jelly no, bean? we are titling this segment "Halftime with Hagrid." What were your thoughts of Hagrid in this story, Katie? Um, you know that Hagrid can do no wrong in my in my world <laughs> in my life. Um, Any time that Hagrid is involved, if he's on screen, I am all in. And everything is good. So I love at the beginning, we find him in Nocturne Alley. 
questionably yeah. looking for something to get rid of the slugs in his garden. Maybe that's why he's there. Um, but I love I love the like like not so mystery behind heck. Like he's such a bad liar that you like you always know <laughs> that that he's lying, and that's part of why he's mm-hmm. lovable. Like he's you know pretty upfront kind of guy. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Uh, I love that they go, you know, Hermione, Ron, and Harry take Ron, well, Hermione and Harry take Ron to Hagrid's cottage when Ron is vomiting slugs. Oh, God, that scene is so gross. It's disgusting. Chocolate slugs, by the way. He was throwing it. They made chocolate candy snugs. I love Hagrid in that scene. I love him. I love I love that they're just having normal conversation and then and then every once in a while Hagrid will be like better out than in. Get it all up. It's disgusting. <laughs> I, I, I don't he's know. A joy. The, he's so a joy. Yeah, no, so you're the, you're the super Hagrid fan, Katie. So question. Super Hagrid. I, I feel more of an attachment. I think they do a slightly better job of making him vulnerable mm-hmm. and in the in the film at points well and i don't know if that's interesting another another point to that brian is that um they kind of if if you were watching these movies in order and hadn't seen the rest of them something that sort of goes unnoticed and how serious it is is the fact that he gets sent to azkaban Mm -hmm. and and it kind of don't know what that kind of just blows over in the movie you don't you don't know how incredibly serious See what I did there? It is until the next movie. Um, yeah, and in the book either. I think that's a yeah. great point. Yeah. And there's a that's what I mean. There's so many of these things. Like we get to the end, and well, let's build up to this. Uh, can we talk about the diary? Uh, <laughs> sure. Which was the diary right, um, where I think that this is the first reported case of catfishing in history. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Tom Riddle was catfishing <laughs> Ginny Weasley. And I oh, think we should fantastic. send Neve and Max from Catfish to Hogwarts <laughs> as an episode. Um, Can did you, you imagine know their names, how that would be? Brian, or did you need to look that up? Oh, no, no, no. We watch Catfish all the time. In fact, we are very <laughs> upset at the Costello house that Max has left uh, Catfish. That's fantastic. And now it's just Neve. Uh, <laughs> So that's upset. But I think uh, so. But I thought it was really interesting going back and watching this because, uh, you know, I re-listened to the book and I was thinking of it when I was listening to the book that this is really before the whole social media mm-hmm. explosion. <clears throat> and this idea of people, Ginny Weasley, losing herself because she doesn't feel like she has anybody mm-hmm. and she's pouring right. her heart is such a common oh theme today and this Dynamite was insight, Brian so, Costello. so long ago and and even Harry had that to a level and mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting like the vulnerability I mean they had it for different desires and reasons mm-hmm. but they were both drawn to that idea yeah mm-hmm. the uh yeah it makes so much sense the, the I love the the way that um she always ties almost every mystery with a nice little bow. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the only thing I can say that I have a problem with in this movie is the uh, the Deus sorting Ex hat? Machina of the Sorting yeah. hat. No, no, the Sorting hat showing up and Falk showing up make complete sense, right? Because Dumbledore is in on it. He basically says that earlier in the film when he yeah. sees them in Hagrid's hut and he knows that they're hiding in the invisibility cloak. He says, you need only ask. By the way, that's another weird thing is like, 
if he says that, you would think there needs to be an ask, which well, wasn't okay. followed through on. No, there is. Now that you say that, because I was forgetting about that, Harry asks for help. That's that He literally says the words, I need help. And that's that's when it all happens. Oh, right, 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 right. So now it does seem preordained. Right. Okay. And I'm fine with that. But what I don't understand is why the hat can materialize the sword of Godric Gryffindor. Well, I, I don't know. I can kind of believe it's a magic hat. No, so no, is but it like that, a Mary, that's, is I'm it a not Mary saying Hoppins that. Hat? I, I'm not saying that I don't understand well, how then, it can do that. But wait, listen. Okay. What I'm what I have a problem with is is Rowling is always so intentional about how things happen, and yeah. and there was nothing out of circumstance. And so, like, this was the one moment where I'm like. That doesn't make it, it. It's not that it doesn't make any sense. It's that she never explained it. Right. And no, she explains true. everything usually. I think the sword was too small. That was my problem. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Brian. I well, think he would have. Godric, Godric Gryffindor, I feel like, would have had a bigger sword than that. <laughs> now, that's just a prop issue. But I'm just, you know, I just envisioned well, it you, you need a bigger Harry sword. to be able to wield it, right? Like at the end of well, the Well, he's a wizard. That's my whole issue. None of these <laughs> things should be problems for these people. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I do like when he gets the arm with no bones in it. Oh, yeah, that was which weird. Is, which, is, which is a really um, creepy scene. Do you know what I didn't like? And I, I forgot about this point, And I think it's a great setup for the rest of the series is um, – Hermione Granger, uh, when Hermione gets petrified and we lose her for a large chunk of the book, which, again, I think is great long term service to the understanding of the three of them need to be together and all that. Uh, The whole third act, right? That's that sets up the third. But it's just kind of a bummer because I think she's so good that she isn't in it. And I also thought that Ron has some great stuff in it. But Ron, I think Ron and Hermione at times in the first couple of films are much more secondary players than they are in future things. And that might be, again, we're watching it for knowing the whole series and who they are and things like that. But um, but I don't know. Uh, I did have one big issue. And you guys know I like cinematography. Mm -hmm. The use of Dutch angles in this film is Is that like a Dutch Dutch angle is when it's askew slightly. Yeah, I noticed that the the use of Dutch angles, which is a huge Brian De Palma thing, um, is completely friggin out of control in this movie. Like the use of tight close ups. Dutch. I, I this is. So th- is that so- specific to this movie director? Do you yes. think? Like, well, no, he it's like not. He, he, he never had used any of this. Yeah. Hmm. And that's where alone. I thought. Did he <laughs> yeah. learn a new trick? Well, he did. I think he was trying to experiment with hmm. some different stuff. But there was some stuff that Chris Columbus and I think Chris Columbus of all the directors got the least amount of credit. He's great because he created the vision, the look. He created all that stuff with the set designer. So all the visual stuff that we see in this series was him. So he deserves all that credit. I thought he did a great job with the kids in the first one. I think from cinematography, camera shot, there's just this is Chris Columbus is not an action director. And I actually think he did some good direction. But man, the Dutch like. Well, Dutch angles everywhere, and I I don't I don't notice things as much as you do in that in that respect. Um, I'm trying to train myself to do that, but uh, I noticed it when Harry was looking at the lock of the Chamber of Secrets. It is distracting because he moves it too, so it's askew, and then he he 
he uh, it's not a pan, I guess he he rotates the camera and brings it back to normal. And I, part of me liked it because it, it, if if you are going to make something seem creepy and and little askew, this movie is the one you kind of want to do it with, right? Like this this is as close to horror as Harry Potter is going to get. I I think mm-hmm. if I'm thinking of the other I, movies I, I get it and I, in some essence i appreciate it i think he was going for something different mm-hmm. uh i'm not sure in a, a series like this you need to do something different uh you know when they made the mission impossible movies chris mcquery the last one was the first guy ever to direct two of them together and all the mission impossible directors are different so they shoot differently they always try to find you know different types of filming so mm-hmm. he hired a different dp and shot it really differently i think for harry potter you could keep a kind of the similar visual tone to it if you but didn't I know could, brian really likes really I've likes picking, mission impossible here yeah. oh i thought you meant i thought you were going to say cinematography oh no he does like that too no, i was picking up on that mm-hmm. but i i already i mean look how he is staged he, and dp'd the uh, his I own do. shot of the no, room behind i noticed him. this jim we've it's talked about that and how you were not you were not up to his no i got level. a few guitars in chewbacca well, no, you've improved this is improved and i, got I you. should add there's been a <laughs> nah. little easter egg uh, for the last several weeks, if you can see behind my shoulder, Fozzie Bear has Harry Potter glasses and the Gryffindor scarf on. Yeah. Because it was like too it, hot. I couldn't see the last Harry Potter episode with the Harry Potter glasses on. Mm-hmm. And it was too hot. Um, what is, is he in other, the Dutch oven? Uh, Dutch oven. <laughs> Dutch angle. Dutch oven. Uh, maybe. I don't know. That would Do be you a, think that, that there's a, a connection between that would be a different those podcast. two things? Hmm. Oh, man. Dutch ovens and Dutch, I don't know. Yeah, That's a great question. All right. Is there anything else that jumps out at you about this movie Hmm. that you liked, didn't like um, moving forward? It's interesting because I feel like. Oh, go ahead. ahead. uh, Mr. Weasley. I love Mr. Weasley. Yeah. I love the Weasleys. Give me the whole family. uh, The no, the the yeah, the Weasleys, obviously, no, but also his um, with Lucius. Yes. When we were we're clearly drawing lines here between the Malfoy and what we will know as the Death Eaters in a future, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Harry Potter movie and book, and you know what, what, um, you know, Mister Weasley finds. Uh, he basically says, you know, what what would be the good name of a wizard, right? Like he he's we, defining, we disagree on what. Right, what right. makes a, we- a wizard good? Yeah, uh, I love him. Yeah, I love that <laughs> and the he breakfast gets so scene aggravated. when he's, he's <laughs> eating eating his whatever he's eating, and he says, "What is the function of a rubber duck?" I don't know why <laughs> he, I love that line too. He's fantastic. the 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 his whole role in like this magical car. And like yeah. not wanting to like, oh. d- like he's more interested in hearing how things went than being angry at the boys for which is like a classic. It it's it's a love it. It's a it's a stereotypical dad moment, yep. but it it plays so well because tell it's, me about the toy. How it's like it work? how it's drawing a comparison between like these wizarding families. Like no, he's he's a dad at heart, yeah. and he thinks a flying car is totally cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I, what about you, Katie? Anything that you liked, oh, didn't I was like? Just trying to think about that. Um... I don't know. I feel like we covered most of the thing. Oh, Moaning Myrtle is uh, such a fun character. She's great. 
Uh, I was just listening again to the scene with like nearly headless Nick and the and his death versary. His five hundred year had death versary. I missed that. That, is that was a, one of the I was things. Wonder- yes, yes. I, I get why it that. wasn't, but but I think I, it would have been fun. I think it would have been, been a fun moment. A moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I like so I like that part of the book. Um, you know, this I feel like that's kind of explored more. You know, we have the ghosts in the first book, but they're they're more a part of the story in book mm-hmm. two. Um, and Moaning Myrtle, obviously, you know, it was again listening to with the kids today. Lily was like, "So how did Moaning Myrtle die?" Like she was just immediately drawn into that storyline, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good one. Though my my students brought up the question of. Myrtle wearing glasses, and there's this notion that um, Colin Creevy is is not killed because he's looking through camera. Uh, and isn't that true well, for one other her, character? Hermione. Well, Hermione is Rainier. going around the corner looking, and that's so, why she only so gets petrified. No, time, time, time out. I can, I can, oh, I can oh, do Jim's this. Jim's got the answers. So Anybody right. who's right. seen Clash of the Titans knows. Harry that, Hamlin is a god? That Harry Hamlin is a god, and he uh, will Or not, is it the Sam Worthington Oh, he would have been a no, great Gilderoy Lockhart, Shut up. by the way. He would have been a very Harry good. Hamlin in that role is perfection. So, His best role was uh, in Veronica Mars. Yeah. Loved him in Veronica Mars. Um, I mean, also hated him, no, but no, you know what I mean. Easy. What? It's, it's careful. What? Spoilers. Um, no yeah. spoilers. And Please. so... Uh, everyone knows that if you're facing Medusa, who will turn you to stone with her gaze, you can use a reflection to see to see that. I right? really thought Brian was just going to pull out a shield or a mirror. Like, yeah, that would have been He amazing. like reached down, like, oh, I have a prop for this. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I have uh, lots so, of props. So, uh, <laughs> and what we find out in in in, ha- in Chamber of Secrets is that you can you can ga- you can look at the basilisk in the eyes. Through a reflection and only get petrified and right. not killed. Okay, which so explains which explains most of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Colin right. Creevy, I guess most cameras Camera. do not. You, if you are looking through the viewfinder, you're not looking directly mm-hmm. through. There's a reflection in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that part makes sense. The glasses, not a reflection. All right. Yeah. That you, was Jim. like a very June, my... very June from uh, how does this get made? Uh, you are a camera expert now, Jim. There you go. Like, yeah. like June is a uh, tornado Whoa. or Harry Hamlin is also in Mad Men. Uh, I didn't know, know that. I have to admit, I didn't know I, we didn't make it through the first oh, season. Yeah, of Mad we watched Men. the do we first to, like Ed Wash, Do we need to hang in there? I'm not. We gave up on it. I am of the belief that Mad Men is one of the most overrated. Well, I can't say I gave shows. it. We didn't give it a fair shake. I don't. We didn't. I do I, love I, John I Hamm, think, though. I do love. No, John he's Hamm. good. No, he's very good. And um, he's just that one of my January favorites. Jones? Yeah. God damn, she's gorgeous. Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes woman. of Black Mirror. Just is the one with uh, the motorboat. Christmas. <laughs> the Christmas. Stars. The Christmas oh. episode of uh, Black Mirror with John Hamm is amazing. I have to see that. Uh, I've got to have to see some of those. Yeah, so good. Okay. You probably fell asleep. Uh, no, I f- vaguely remember this. Yeah. It's about as good as it gets uh, for me. Okay, two other... I, I had Later ideas. on, how many seasons, Ed Wahesh? When does John Ham... Oh, no. When does um, Harry Hamlin come in? John Ham and Harry Hamlin. Weird. Yeah. The but, Hams. 
Um, what what did you miss, Brian? What did, what do you? I uh... missed two things that. Well, there was a couple. Two things jumped out. First, I wish they had done more of the pure versus mud blood stuff in the movie. Um, mm. There was a ton of it in the book, and I thought that was some of the best stuff in the book. Oh yeah, and well, I and that's love the, yes that reaction, the slugs. Yeah, that, that, that everyone I, is enraged when he yes. says that word. Yeah, and I love you know the. I think unintended because of when it was written that the idea of terrorism and how Voldemort is basically a terrorist in the mm. modern terms. He, and, and it's, well, I think it's a great way to introduce the concept of that to younger people. The right. way she does it and is really, really intriguing to me because I think it's a very heavy subject that's difficult to bring up with kids. And I think she does it in such a interesting way of, you know, using fear um, and how people react to that fear. And you see how like the Hufflepuffs <laughs> react to Harry and like, you know, how it how it turns people mm. Um I just, like, I just think he's that's a really cult leader, right? I mean, so oh, you have, yeah. and which yeah. is what but, most terrorist leaders are. But you know? also, like, she does something extremely brilliant too, which is um, try to explain why. And, and let's not even go to terrorism. Let's just go with people who who uh, like to impart fear and and use strength and and like fascist ideas, mm. right? What what does Tom Riddle say? He lets on a piece of information that that tells you everything you need to know about most of these people is that his mother was not a wizard, right? His mother was technically what he would call a mudblood, right? Yes. And he holds so much shame and 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 insecurity. Or is about or is that. it the reverse? Was his mom the wizard and the, the well, dad's what, the one whatever, who left? One of, right. One of, one of his parents. Yeah. Was not um, a pure. Was not yeah. a wizard. Um. And so just just that idea of like giving giving uh, kind of a, a place from where these people are working from, which is like an insecurity and a fear of something about themselves and not mm-hmm. the not the people they have a problem with. Right. All right. Awesome. And one last thing I thought you Jim would appreciate this because it's one of his favorite films. The basilisk scene was shot and used and everything. Uh, Steven Spielberg gave Chris Columbus advice on how to do it based upon his work in Jurassic Park. So yeah. I thought you I would appreciate that. I guarantee you that the it's the kitchen than the basilisk. It's the kitchen scene. And I think that scene is br- that scene in Jurassic Park that is brilliant. Is very good. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, uh, did you tell Brian about me almost burning down the house t- trying to create? Oh a no, basilisk? I forgot. Basilisk? Yeah, Katie. So tell Brian you're you. She you know, was doing so potions. I'm, I'm the moderator of the Harry Potter You're making club, potion? As discussed before. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so we do a potions class in the science lab. And for the past few semesters, I've seen this uh, recipe online to create a basilisk. And... I've hesitated because of the use of fire, but this year I thought, well, I'll try it at home. Thank God, I actually Not was a gathering. Good idea. Well, I thought it was safer. I was actually gathering the materials while I was at Siobhan and Andre's house, our good friends. I said to Jim, "Thank God I didn't do this there, because their kids are also Harry Potter fans, and yeah. I was going to be cool Aunt Katie who creates Burn a house down. <laughs> cool Aunt Katie who burned down the house." Brian, the flames were 
up over our microwave. Ooh. Jim was watching our cabinets to see if the cabinets were going to catch on fire. I had to use the fire extinguisher. That? Uh, well, and then it did not go out. It also the did not. The fire did not go out. <laughs> it also did <laughs> not. In this. It also did not do what she expected it to do. Which no. she, we didn't even get anything cool out of it. So there, there you were remember? these tiny little baby, like, I don't yeah. even know, little baby turds of a basilisk. Yeah, yeah. And there were giant freaking flames. Do you remember <laughs> as a kid, Brian, these little black, like, hockey puck things that when you lit them yes. on fire like the snake yeah, yeah. Grew out they would yeah uh, i think that's what it was supposed to do okay uh it did not do no that. and i no. remember doing those as a child and not ever feeling like oh we could burn the house down whereas this which i have to say was posted on a birthday party suggestion page with lots of people commenting like oh this looks great nothing on there that was like caution you could burn your effing house down yeah. That's what this, happened. It, do you know what I've learned uh, from making the butter beer as well? Do not do DIY, uh, DIY Harry Potter shit because it's well, awful. Okay. It's aw- it, I have like, to say, the butter listen, beer, disgusting. I told, you, I told you to not use the marshmallow fluff. I told you. I used you whipped insisted cream on the, using sep- the second the time I used the whipped cream. It wasn't. Much you know better. what it was? The butter. Sh- uh, Schnapps. That that stuff was. Mm. That stuff. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Well, you wanted an alcoholic one. I've only ever had the. The butter beer in the book never sounded appetizing. Sounds delicious. You know what I don't get? They still haven't gotten the Hogsmeade. I can't believe that still hasn't happened yet in the movie. That's true. So weird. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Dun, dun, uh, time dun. goes spanning the globe. Uh, we need the instant reaction. Uh, oh, because Jesus all Christ. the all the can- I've been all drinking the Santos, yeah, all Katie, the Santos gonna have do to have another drink. All the Santos do is go to Broadway. It looks like Jim I'm not going to sleep tonight Springsteen either. on uh, Broadway. And now you go and see the revival of To Kill a Mockingbird, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Jeff Daniels. And uh, what were your thoughts? So I thought um, that I was a little bit jealous. I was a lot. I was insanely jealous of Jim going to see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. And I was playing it very cool, thinking, well, in two weeks, I get to go see To Kill a Mockingbird with Jeff Daniels written by Aaron Sorkin, and that's going to be a highlight of my life. So, you know, we just have to call that a loss on Bruce Springsteen. I sat through that play so angry, feeling like I will t- I will take it all back. Take back To Kill a Mockingbird. I want to go see Bruce. So we mm-hmm. bought tickets on the way home from the show for Mike Birbiglia next month because I need Ooh. to rinse the bad taste out of my mouth because it tasted like shit. It was bad, dude. Even I, even I'm still I, angry. Um, I was trying to find good, good things to report on about it. Um, but There's it, nothing good. It, it literally is taking like fundamental things about characters and and changing them in ways that just makes it inappropriate. I was trying bad. to think of um, an analogy that would be fitting, and I came up with one today mm-hmm. because I think that Atticus Finch and Dumbledore are very similar kinds of characters, right? They're both supposed to be your grandfatherly, fatherly kind of character who is the source of wisdom, the 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 glassed, the eye glassed man. Uh, you know, he's the, the spectacle. He's the steady. He's the steady, right? He's your truth teller, uh, as I tell my students. Atticus Finch, in this production of To Kill a Mockingbird, physically beats up 
another character, yeah. Bob Ewell, while yelling, I am superior to you. Just imagine Albus Dumbledore doing that. And how would that feel? Yeah. Are we, this, are we supposed to answer that? Yes, it that wasn't rhetorical. rhetorical. What do you think? Oh, okay. Honestly, going in, I, I thought Sorkin would have given us a lot of space for, for really long monologues that those those things that are him him <laughs> like the this, things yeah. that he does right like the things that he does you know when he has characters doing things that real people would never do like real people are never able to speak as eloquently and as hmm. as quickly as Sorkin characters mm-hmm. and that is Which that's we see awesome with Jeff Daniels in the newsroom right Episode after episode. The first like episode every starts freaking with episode. Jeff Daniels going off on, on the girl in the newsroom about why the United States is not the greatest country in the world. Um, and it would have been awesome if he was able to impart some of that. And it would it, literally he could just take passages from the book and have have the characters That's read it. them. That's it. Because it's the writing is amazing. But or take the movie. What he did too. was take his humor which plays really well on TV um, in an hour long, right? Because you're balancing like this heavy, yeah. heavy lifting of emotional and societal things in the newsroom or, you know, West Wing. But he still separates it. On he, the newsroom, right, right. he still separates the humor but, from the heavy hitting. Yeah. And, and he doesn't do that in this play. Right. And, and To Kill a Mockingbird, should ha- if, it's, if it's done as a play, should have a tone similar to something like Our Town. And yeah. this was just like... Uh, There were so many uncomfortable moments, Brian, where there is a theater filled of privileged, privileged folks seeing a Broadway show laughing at a trial of a black man accused of a crime he didn't commit. Yeah, it was it made my skin crawl and. And he denigrated characters. You know, his his argument about, like, what he's done with this play and why he changed things was, like, he couldn't write it like it was the 1960s anymore. Fact check. Why? It wasn't written in the 60s. It was written in the 50s. Um, right. Because the, the freaking point is that stuff hasn't changed. Well, right? my point so is, So you can tell would... the story now, and it still works, because the stuff is still happening. But why not? What I'm not understanding, and I didn't see it obviously, is why even do this then? I, because that's somebody what I paid him why, to do it, and that's I what I walked away with was like clearly this was not an act of love. And then when I looked it up, it was like no, somebody basically approached him with like we want you to write the screenplay or you know the play of I mean, To Kill a He could have done a revival. It's not like he hasn't done Broadway. Uh, a Few Good Men was an amazing yep. Broadway show yep. before, and it had all the trademark yep. sort of things in it. Mm-hmm. It just That's, it, it just didn't sounds weird make to me. Any sense? It didn't make any I, sense. The things I, that he says he was trying to do, I would I could argue well he did not accomplish any of them. I have huge issues when people need to change source materials like yeah. to kill a mockingbird. I, I just don't think there's a re. I I think that you go do something original. Or just do the play and, and don't hire Aaron Sorkin. Hire it. Jeff Daniels so, to play Atticus to me, Fitch and have him just be Here's the two things you do, Fitch. and you've got to pick one. You either tell the story 
the way it was told with the characters as they were, the theme as it was, and the tone as it was, or you take an entirely different approach. And he tried to do a hybrid of those two things and failed miserably. So what in the book is separated between like childhood hijinks, part one, literally labeled part one, the kids and Boo Radley, and then part two, labeled part two, the trial, it separates that tone. So you can have the kids making a hermaphroditic snowman on their lawn, and it's funny. Who doesn't? And that doesn't interfere with the tone of the trial, which is horrendously serious and tragic. Yeah. In the play, he overlays those two things, so you have laughter in the midst of tragedy. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of how terrible this is. So there's a scene where um, Atticus finds out that um, Tom Robinson has been moved uh, to a jail cell um, by himself, and he is nervous that something's going to happen to his client. Um, who he's become friends with right at this point. So he goes down to the jail and sits outside. And while he's there, a bunch of the town folks with hoods on come to basically lynch They're not wearing man. hoods in the book. In the book, they're not wearing wearing hoods. Um, but in this scene, the only one that's not wearing a hood is, Tom, is uh, Bob Ewell. All the other men are wearing hoods to, to call to mind the KKK, right? Okay. And this scene plays out pretty intense in the, in the play. It was actually, this was... This portion of it was not too bad. Um, it actually it, it worked, um, and this is where Scout and and um, Jem show up and say like, "Oh, you know, Mr. Cunningham, we recognize that's you. Like, you're, you, our dad helps you out. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna kill him and Tom Robinson tonight, yeah. and you know, basically say they save their father, right? Yeah. Um, as that ends, and everyone, this kind of like the, Jim and and Scout kind of defuse the situation, and the the men leave. Tom Robinson <laughs> sticks his head out of a second, like what is clearly the jail cell window with the bars, and says, "Atticus, Mister Finch, you you all right out there?" And he says, "Yeah, Tom, everything's fine." And he says. You sure about that? And the whole crowd just erupts in laughter. Like, what? And I, and I couldn't. Not, Brian. I couldn't blame the crowd because this was the problem, right? Like, yeah. s- because Sorkin was layering these comedic parts over very serious setting situations. It, there was this confusion over like, what are we supposed to laugh at? The second time that happened, Tom Robinson dies trying to escape from jail, right? Yeah. And he gets shot in the back, climbing the jail wall. Mm. In the book, he gets shot 17 times. For some reason, Sorkin felt that he needed to change that number. I don't know. Um, so he gets shot five times. I don't understand. Like, that seems like a, why would you change that detail? And Cal, he has Calpurnia react to that saying like well you know why would you shoot a one-armed man and again because sorkin messes around with the tone so much that provokes laughter from the audience it was the most uncomfortable stage production and maybe social experience that i've ever been a part of because if you're arguing that we need to tell this with a contemporary lens well You've just screwed the pooch because you like you took what should have been contemporary dialogue and an opportunity for these conversations and you threw it in the trash. 
Like, I, like literally trashed it. You took the role of Calpurnia, which in the 50s was an answer to the stereotyping that had been done. The Aunt Jemima, the main character of this like slapstick humor, the large chested black woman who's happy to work for the white family. Calpurnia is not that. She is an educated woman. She is a motherly figure, stern, has a great relationship with Atticus. Mm -hmm. And then Sorkin dialed it right back to that stereotypical character from the 1930s where she is delivering one-liners to the crowd. And and he's telling us that he's giving her more of a voice. He just... Totally, he didn't. He doesn't understand the story. It was. I love Ed. Ed. Ed Wahesh says, Sorkin's hubris nailed it. That's what I've been saying. It was written by an arrogant man. He created an arrogant Atticus, and I don't see how anyone walks out of that play feeling like that was a worthwhile experience. Sorry, All right, Brian. So I stole uh, the do not go to Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. Don't go. Don't Watch go. Time Boycott to it. Kill with Matthew McConaughey mm. on DVD. Watch or watch Gregory Peck yeah, as yes. Atticus Finch. Yes. Uh, all right. Hasn't time, been done better. Time for question of the week. Yeah. Jim, are we ready? Here is our questioner, second ever question of the week. Here we go. Hello, my name is Claire Costello. What is the funniest movie? What does the boy live CD out? Oh my God, I love her. <laughs> are you so, serious? For, for, what, that's what incredible. a great question. Um, I do want to know. When will the yeah. boy who lives so, so, be produced? So for those that could not get that whole uh, <laughs> that whole question, it is: What is the funniest movie ever? Wow, that's hard. And what? So hard. When will the boy who lives CD come out? I can only oh. imagine the script for that question was written by her father. It only uh, took eleven takes. Yeah, eleven <laughs> takes. I couldn't yeah. actually hear the question in my ear, but it, it took eleven. It took eleven yeah. takes. Uh, what? Yeah, she came up with the funniest movie question on her own, though. Oh, that is that Amazing. is I've got, really I've tough. So it's got to be fast. This is a fast right. one. Just top of your yeah. head. Jim has such a hard time with this. I know. I'm ready. Just, I will say, just because it reminds me of going to see it with Brian, old school makes me hmm. laugh so hard. Um, because seeing it with Brian, it was tough. Like I literally had Ooh, to see that movie three chill. times to get all the jokes. Because Brian was laughing so hard, I I missed like a third of the movie. I remember that. Yeah. I feel like I was with you. No, um, did we go? No, time? it was just me and Brian in, in Maniok. You've just talked about that so many times. It feels yeah. like it happened in my life. Um, ooh, I have a can I? I can't. I have a hard time always narrowing down to the best one. That's always well, yeah, a struggle yeah, we'll for me. We'll get one or two. Just yeah, we'll do. We can do more of this All another right, time. I'm going yeah. What do you do? Happy Texas, best in show, Mean Girls. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a good one. Uh, I like uh, Anchorman, uh, The Naked Gun. And yeah, those two, those two, my cousin, my cousin, the naked gun came out. I think I was 12 or 13. My cousin brought us to the movies and then she drove us home and said, I'm never going to a movie. Never going to a movie. At Ginger Snaps, Captain Ginger G- Snaps, Captain Ginger Snaps. Yeah. That's Hanley. not Best in Show. That's that's from Saturday Night Live. That's Saturday Night Live. Um, best in Show is great. Or, uh, so I will I will amend. Also, if I had to go something besides uh, old school, I would say Spinal Tap. Yes, is absolutely I, I one of my. If, 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 oh God, so good. Awesome one. 
And we're still waiting. Uh, a few things. We're still waiting for somebody who wants to do Kickstarter, The Boy Who Lived CD. Uh, we we still have not had any takers on our uh, Com Majors uh, yeah, trip yeah. to Caddyshack Fest. Remember, for only five thousand um, dollars, airfare and hotel not included. Not included. <laughs> and you will get your name mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Are you guys meeting people there? Do is this? Ha- do we need? There is actually not even a date for this yet. They're just do saying we need summer of, for it. Is yeah. Do so I need to save money for you? Where are you going? What's uh, happening? Kentucky. Kentucky. No, you're driving. That's fine. Yes, we've done it before. Uh, you can do so it again. Like uh, okay, it is now time for five questions. Five questions for Katie DeSanto. Oh, I'm we have excited. our broken. Shape of Water Egg Timer. Yes, I love egg Shape times of Water. Nothing. The Masturbation uh, Timer. I love that fish Masturbation man. Egg Timer. Okay, here we go. Mm. Uh, question number one. Thumbs up or thumbs down on Hallmark Christmas movies? This is a great question, Brian Costello. I have to be honest with you. I am not sure if I've ever watched a Hallmark Christmas mm-hmm. movie. People feel very strongly about them. Jim's cousin acts like primarily in Hallmark Christmas movies, at least one a year. Uh couldn't tell you the last I don't I I honestly don't know if I've ever seen one so I'm gonna go with a thumbs down they've never been compelling enough for me to actually watch them yeah excellent all right question number two would you rather see Hagrid dressed as Jim or Jim dressed as Hagrid Jim dressed as Hagrid there we go all right fill in the blank the person I know slash knew who reminds me the most of uh, Draco Malfoy is oh man I don't, can I use real names? Uh, if you want. I don't know. I feel like this is dangerous. This is da- this is yeah, a dangerous this is, game. This is a tough Maybe one. just um, initials. All right. He was a high school football player. Oh, well, initials. Me and Brian don't know him. Se- oh no, you don't know him. But what he might be listening. Right. So he was um, a high school. Highly. S M S M. So basically, Katie picked like the bully in her high school. Yeah, but he funny. also he had the he had the the sharp blue eyes, the blonde hair. He had the whole he, thing. He was a racist. Uh, was well, he like we were was in Schuylkill he, County? So was he ever call somebody a mudblood? Was he Sunshine from uh, <laughs> Remember the Titans? I, yeah. Oh well, my God! It wasn't racist though. Tell me you saw the meme, Brian, where it was like everyone loves uh, Ryan Gosling in the Notebook or whatever. Oh but yes, he, but he's an absolute liability at cornerback. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. Uh, all right, question number four, Katie. What is your favorite secret society? The Masons. It, okay. Oh, you were going to give me options. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, ha- no, no, I had it ready I didn't for know. You. If you have one off the top of your head, yes, that's Masons. Though, I'm an Illuminati. Also intrigued. There's this kind of secret. I'm not really sure. I'm still confused by them. There's a church organization, a religious group in uh, Northeast Philly, the suburbs of Northeast Philly, Bryn Athen, and I oh, am yeah, intrigued. Yeah. You can only ever find out so much about them. Even episode. when you go, like I've toured the space, yeah. and even in the church itself, it's very hard to get a grip on, like, what exactly is it that they believe, and who's... I am I am in. I am hooked. So folks who have information on Bryn Athen, bring it to me because I want to know. I will come to you. Is that the new I, church? Is that what that's called? I think so. I think that the was the yeah, 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 the guy who he was yeah. like, what is he, a railroad magnet tycoon? tycoon. Yeah. Bought lots I of I also like the, uh, Van in the suburbs. place from mm. Seinfeld. Mm. We're good. They're not a real secret side. All right, finally, deep thoughts question. <laughs> what would you keep hidden? In your chamber of secrets. Brian, that's very sexual. 
Oh. It, well, I don't it didn't have, it have to be. It didn't have to be. <laughs> I was just trying okay. to decide recently okay. whether I needed to move let's, the things. Let's the go live, too. I think Fine. I might uh, need to put go. them someplace else. All right, let's go to recommendations. <laughs> what is and that a recommendation? back massager for too long. And that's oh, where it okay. stopped, and that's where love. <laughs> let's go to recommendations. Of, uh, Jim, was a wedding what crashers? do you have? <laughs> what do you have as a recommendation, Jim? <laughs> and sometimes you come home to find your... <laughs> And I picture me like acting like this. Um, I highly recommend High West uh, Distillery. All their stuff is is amazing. This is probably the best I've had of theirs. The uh, Midwinter's Night's Dram. It is excellent. Um, they also have something called a Burr Rye, uh, which is like a bourbon rye mix, and it is amazing. The label is a jackalope, which is just hilarious to me. They, they could make some burai in, yeah. which they could blend gin into it. Uh, There's another uh, idea for everybody right yeah, there. Could, dude, Brian's just giving them out. Giving just out giving them out ideas. It's the reverse shark yeah, tank. Giving, them out. giving out ideas. Uh, and other recommendations. I am still making my way through The Outsider by Stephen King, but I am like 400 pages in now, and it is fan-freaking-tastic so far. Perfect. Katie, uh, any recommendations? Mm -hmm. uh, show us your shimmer bottles. Tell us some oh, exciting. Oh, yay. Oh, news. friends, listen. Uh, my winery is giving away. You can't see that. Uh, we're giving away a trip to Napa, but you need to have one of these little bottles. So if you live close to me or you are one of my customers and you have a shimmer bottle, you got to do the shimmer shimmy. It, that's all you got to do. Right now, there are only 240 entries into this lottery, which is going to result in two people going to stay at our private estate in Napa and Your having private a estate? private... A, not, yeah, Jim and, Jim and my private, private estate. estate wow. That's the <laughs> West Coast one. This Brian. podcast has been exploding. Yeah. We're just we rolling the, in the money. We have the cottage in Nantucket as well. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so check me so out close. at One Hope Havertown uh, to find out about the Shimmer Shimmy. Um, they're also on super sale right now. So $30, get get lots of blinged out uh, wine beverages. Awesome for gift friends. for the holidays. I mean, it's such I a mean, fun gift. It's, uh, it's it shiny. Is, people love this shiny. bottle. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. If living is without you, yeah, I can't live. All right, I think we got you back, Brian. Am I there? Hello. There you yeah, are. Okay. Uh, quickly, Innis Gun Beer, uh, delicious, uh, and the new season of uh, Catfish is no back. Sound. There's no sound, babe. We we got it. Oh. We fixed. We fixed. Oh, it, we it fixed was it. so. Oh. It wasn't just Brian. It was all of us. Yeah, it was all of us. So oh, they didn't okay. get me here. Did you, you didn't hear me say how much I love Beth on This Is Us? Yeah, This Is Us. Amy O'Rourke. Did you hear me talk about This Is Us? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry, Jim. Uh, for those who listen to us the podcast, it, it's a separate feed, so yeah. uh, we will be up there. Uh, I was saying, Innis Gum Beer, and also the new season of Catfish is back. Uh, there will be a diary with Ginny Weasley. They will be at Hogwarts at some point this season. I have to be uh, honest. I, I didn't know the catfish was still on the air. Oh, yeah. And I also but would like to add. to love that show. Watch 90 Day Fiance. Just, it's amazing. <gasps> right. Did we not talk about this? No. Somebody watch I knew was on that show. What? True story. And the person who's in, um, is it this season? Um, great the question. The one who's in Mechanicsburg? So. Uh, Orgsburg. 
Or I don't know. We'll have no, to talk about it. This wasn't this season. It no. was years ago you saw that episode. All right, we'll have to, I don't Probably know. We'll true. have to talk about it because it's one of Orsberg. Orsberg. Uh, Orsberg, all right. uh, guys from is... Jamaica, I know them. Yes! No, I, I don't really actually know them. I just know her cousin. She was in the okay. wedding. And when well, I saw close. her on the show, I looked up her Facebook feed. I'm like, oh my God, that's them. That is actually them. <laughs> and I was talking to people who were like, this show is all fake. But no, oh, like, no. no they are real people. Oh. I can verify that they are humans no, that exist in this world. it is true. And um, actually okay, uh, that's it, Jim. What are we doing next week? We this are is your pick. Yeah, this is my pick, and I'm I'm forcing Brian to go a little. No, more I'm excited here. about this. I, uh, I wanted to watch it, so I'm happy. yeah, I know. Uh, this is we'll have some scenes as weird as stuff in in uh, Shape of Water. Oh, it's, I can't uh, wait. Ex, ex Machina, which uh, is oh, I never saw it. You did. You watched everything but the last ten minutes. You fell asleep. Um, it's not it like is, what you need to see. Yeah. Wait, what's this one about? <laughs> it, it, so basically, the, the the premise of this film is that um, this guy who basically started what is Google um, uh, lives off in, a, in in basically a bunker in the middle of the woods and is working on an AI, um, and he invites a winner of a contest to come and basically work with him and basically try to figure out if if this AI passes. The test. I forget the name of the test, but um, in the fact that uh, you know you can you can tell if the, if this is an AI or not. Who are these actors? Okay, uh, the that actors is a are... question for next week. Yeah, don't give it away. No, okay. I'm just That's trying to remember seeing this movie. We'll, we'll talk about it. All Great acting, uh, though. I will say that. Three. All right, everybody knows where to find us. We don't have to worry about plugs. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, we got some fun stuff coming up. Christmas movie will be soon. Uh, we're going to be doing a Dak Shepard movie yes. uh, in a couple of weeks, which yeah. is going to be awesome. Favorite Christmas. celebrity couple. Yep, Chris, uh, Kristen Bell, amazing. Uh, Christmas test. episode. Thank you, Ed Wahish. Yes. What did you say? I missed that. The touring test. That's the test I was oh, talking okay. about. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and that's it. We we are done. It's late. We're tired. Uh, mm-hmm. our, all our kids are sick. Everybody's uh, sick. Nobody's, nobody's sleeping. Nobody, everybody's nobody's dying. sleeping. Amy O'Rourke says also, no one sleeps. There's no, I am there's living no in a happening. perpetual chamber of horror uh, when it comes to bedtime. So uh, we will you, see man. everybody soon. Uh, we will see Katie again soon on an episode. Absolutely. Uh, we will see Harry Potter again sometime in 2019. So perfect. everybody stay up up to date with it. Uh, bye, guys. Yay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Everyone. bye. <laughs> oh, we didn't do